If you weren't here last week, be, be sure to grab a copy of God's Best Kept Secret. Um, Mark will be here on April the 23rd, but he was supposed to be here last Sunday. And so uh, he didn't get here because, well, it likes to snow in March, evidently, which I'm dreading Tuesday, by the way, along with all of you. Um, if you haven't heard, yes, another stinking 20 inches of snow, whatever it is. By the time Tuesday gets here, it'll be 25. So, <laughs> my goodness. That's um, how you know it's a calling, everyone. Uh, it snows in March. I'm over it. Um, so, uh, he was supposed to be here, but it snowed and he, his flight got canceled. And so, he didn't, he didn't come. And so, we, uh, Tanya and I decided to pivot. And man, I tell you what, I love it when God's in the pivot. Um, most of the time, God's in the pivot. We just have to take our, our scales off and see that God's in the pivot. And we answered some questions that were given the week before that we didn't get to. And I want you guys to know, I don't always, I'm not, I'm not bit, like, I don't know why, but I don't always do this. Last Sunday, at the end of service, we had 15 people raise their hand for salvation. 15! Fifteen people said, I need to put my identity in Jesus. Now, listen, I know Mark's great, a great communicator and, and amazing, but 15. Yeah. Watch, he's going to come. We're going to have 20 that day. <laughs> Love it. 16. God is always in the pivot. I just have to, I just have to be obedient. And so I've learned in my life, whatever you ask God, the answer is yes. And anytime I say yes, what happens is God says, okay, I trust you enough to give you more. Do it again. Do this. Now do this. And I always want to say yes, God. Because the moment I say no, he says, I'll find somebody else. And we'll always be a church that says yes to God. Always, whatever he asks us to do. And I'm just, I'm just in awe of what he did last Sunday and what he's doing in this church. The last two weeks, we've had over 340 people in attendance. Listen, two years ago, we were setting up chairs in the common area and had 75. And now we're seeing exponential growth. And my job as the leader isn't to say, oh, crap, what are we going to do? My job as a leader is to make room for us to grow more. And so that's why I said to the first service, maybe you should consider coming to the 11 o'clock. Well, they're going to come to the 11 o'clock next week, and they're not going to be able to find a seat either. Come to the twelve. <laughs> Speaking of which, I didn't even tell. Uh, I didn't even tell my brother-in-law this, but um, for Easter coming up, uh, we've decided Easter is a big day, and we're going to make room. And the way that we're making room is to have three services.
And so my wife is a planner. And so, um, by the way, Easter's in five weeks from today. So I have to give her five weeks notice. And uh, five weeks notice that our service times for Easter will be 8, 10, and 12. So 8 o'clock, 10 o'clock, and 12 o'clock. And uh, so mark your calendars, figure out which one you want to come to. I think we're probably going to make a registration online so that you can uh, tell us which service you're going to go to, not um, just so that you like just so that we can prepare, um, prepare the room, prepare everyone, everything and, and just be ready. So um, I love what God's doing, but I'm always going to make room for him to do more. Speaking of which. We're starting a new series called Shameless Investments this morning. You like that segue? That was a pretty good one. I'm always going to make room for him to do more in everything in my life. And so this is the third series that we've done this year. And um, the first one was called Shameless Prayers. The second one was called Shameless Relationships. And the third one is called Shameless Investments. I'm really going back and forth. Are we going to continue the shameless theme all year, or are we going to end it with shameless investments? I think I'm leaning towards ending it here, but we'll see what God does. I'm going to be obedient no matter what. So um, the reason we call it shameless is because the first emotion that Adam and Eve felt after sinning in the Garden of Eden was shame. God wants his children to live without shame all the time. And so any moment in this, in, this, in this message or any message that I, that I preach, the moment that, that shame enters your mind or your thought, it's not from God. If you're saying, you know, I feel ashamed in doing this, no, 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 that's not from God. Shame says, says that that's your identity. It can't be if you're in Jesus. You're, whatever the, the thing that you're feeling the shame for. And so we've talked about shameless prayers. Go on to, he wants us to pray without shame in our hearts. How many, how many prayer services have we been in where the, half of the, the prayer requests were done in shame? Or worse yet, to heap shame on somebody else. Listen, it happens. And so... Our last relationship was to remove shame from our, our relationships with the people that we, that we fellowship with and, and, and in, our, in our marriages, to get shame out of that. And today we're going to talk about shameless investments, getting the shame out of our bank accounts, getting the shame out of, out of our money. And the reason for that is because my job as the preacher of the Refuge Church is to teach you about who you are in Christ. As a follower of Jesus, you're, you, Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ that lives inside of me. And the life I now live is one that pleases Jesus. And so... Our job, my job, is to teach you how you can, ready for this, how you can die. Today and when your time comes. <laughs> my job 
is to teach you how to die to yourself so that Christ can be fully alive inside of you. Because guess what? He doesn't live where he 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 doesn't live where where flesh lives. Where sin is, he can't be because he's perfect. And so we're talking about shameless investments this morning. And um, Luke chapter 10 is where we're going to be at. You can turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. Um, you can follow along on the screens as well. Also, follow along on the YouVersion Bible app. Uh, in the YouVersion Bible app, all of today's notes are available there. I think I put them on there this week, so uh, <laughs> you should be there. Um, Luke chapter 10 is, a, is an interesting passage when it comes to giving when it comes to generosity. Because Luke chapter 10 is the story of the Good Samaritan. Have you ever heard of him? I did a quick Google search this week on the Good Samaritan. Do you know how many parachurch organizations are called Good Samaritan something? The Samaritan's Purse, you've all heard of that. Where we lived at in Illinois, there was a hospital called Good Samaritan Hospital. Like, Hospitals all over the country, Good Samaritan, Good Samaritan, Good Samaritan. This guy's really popular, and he doesn't even have a name, right? Like, he's one of the most popular people in God's Word because of hospitals and things like that. If you've been around here long enough, you know that I always say when someone doesn't have a name in the Bible, it's so that I can insert my name into their story. And so I can be the Good Samaritan, but we're going to read a story. No one has a name in the story of the Good Samaritan. I love it. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. Luke chapter 10. Normally when we talk about the Good Samaritan, we're talking about loving your neighbor. Or even, even better yet, talking about loving your enemies and how you love your enemies. Because Jews and Samaritans didn't get along. And so Jesus tells this story about, to a Jew about a Samaritan that was good, that he called good. And he's telling him, listen, even your enemy knows how to love his neighbor. Normally, that's what we're talking about. But today, we're talking about shameless investments, getting shame out of our bank accounts. The good Samaritan couldn't have helped the Jewish man beaten on the side of the road if he had shame in his bank account. We're going to talk about that in this whole series. Before we read it, can we, can we ask the Father to speak to us this morning? Would you bow your heads? Thank you. Father, um, your word is alive, it's active, it's quicker than any two-edged sword, and it pierces my soul and spirit, dividing the joint and the marrow. Father, I... I pray this morning that your word would pierce my soul and my spirit. That it would divide the two. That it would show me where I'm living in my flesh and where I'm living in my spirit. That's that's what that means. To pierce the soul and spirit. Father, I pray that I would choose to live in the spirit today. And I would do that by dying to Adam Harold. And by becoming alive in Jesus Christ. God, I thank you for the opportunity to obey you today. 
Use me, God. But may your word be louder than mine. In Jesus' name, pray. Amen. So in Luke chapter 5, I want to set up what we're going to read. In verse 25, there's a man that approaches Jesus. Now, it's interesting to me that the man that approaches Jesus is a teacher of religious law. He was a religious expert, religious law expert. And he goes to Jesus and he asks him this important question, that one that we all have to ask. As human beings, we all have to ask. The question was, how do I inherit eternal life? How do I, how do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus' response, I love <laughs> good old Jesus. His response was to go straight at the heart. He always went to the heart. And the reason he was able to go to the heart was because he knew the heart. Newsflash for everyone this morning. Jesus knows your heart. Every person in this room. A lot of times it shows up in the form of, how in the world did the pastor know that? I don't know. I didn't know. I know nothing. I just... I just obey the Holy Spirit in, in teaching what he's telling me to teach. And he shows up in an amazing way. And he speaks directly at what it is we're wrestling with. Jesus knew this guy's heart. And he goes right at it. And he says to him, what does your law tell you? <laughs> Well, you're an expert in the religious law. What does your law say? And the man replies, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. I love Jesus' response. He goes, right, now go and do it. <laughs> He's done with this guy. He's like, right, now, now, now go and do the law that you say that you follow. But then the guy, <laughs> glutton for punishment, goes, actually read it, verse 29. The man wanted to justify his actions. Underline, justify his actions. And he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? What actions did he want to justify? Right? Maybe the action of not loving his neighbor the way he knew that he should. Who is my neighbor? Now, most of the time when we read this story, again, it's not about the, the bank account of the Good Samaritan. I think it's, it's understood that the bank account had enough money in it that he could help the, the guy that was on, left for dead on the side of the road. We just understand it and we don't, we don't ever acknowledge it. But what had to happen was the good Samaritan had to have created enough margin in his bank account to be able to help the guy on the side of the road. And what happens in the American church is we're so strapped that we don't have enough margin for God to move mountains. 
Man, it's quiet. <laughs> We're so strapped with X, Y, and Z. I'm, I don't have to put, I'm not, listen, I'm going to offend somebody. I've already offended somebody already because we're talking about money in church. So I don't have to say whatever it is we're strapped with. I just know that people don't give because they'd rather give to other things. Can I, I think this is the time that I have to say this. I hate it when preachers talk about money. Pastor Adam, then why are you talking about money? Because I have a big boss that I have to listen to. And I'll answer to him someday on Judgment Day. And that terrifies me. So I'm always going to say yes to him. This morning, he says, start a series about the Good Samaritan, but point out the fact that the Good Samaritan had margin in his life to be able to help. I hope that I always live in a way that I have margin in my life to be able to help. The Refuge Church, listen, will always have margin to help you. I promise you that. If you have a need this morning, come find me after service. We will, if we can, we will. But he had to have margin. And so, verse 30, Luke chapter 10, says this. Remember the question that Jesus is answering. Who's my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him off of his clothes, beat him up, and left him for dead on the side of the road. By chance, a priest came along. By the way, this is a Jewish priest came along. But when he saw the man laying there, He crossed over to the other side of the road and he passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and he looked at him laying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along. You know why I was despised? Because Jews hated Samaritans. And because the Jews hated Samaritans, this man was his enemy was the guy's enemy. A despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion. Underline, he felt compassion for him. Verse 34, going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him there. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay it the next time I'm here. Now, which of these would say was, you would say, was a neighbor to the man 
who was attacked by the bandits? Jesus asked. (laughs) And with his tail tucked in between his legs, the religious law leader replied, the one who showed him mercy. But look at what Jesus' answer said after that. Now go and do the same. What was the first question, the very, very first question that the expert in religious law asked Jesus? It wasn't, who's my neighbor? It was, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, I am not telling you that you, you have to care for the guy left for dead on the side of the road to have eternal life. I'm not saying that you have to give money to the church to have eternal life. That is not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that the The good Samaritan in this story, I believe, represents who has eternal life. In other words, it represents those who have identity in Jesus. When you have identity in Jesus, you are able to help whoever needs help. It's a part of who you are. As a follower of Jesus. But I think a lot that we can learn here is not just, not just about being able to help, but how we can manage our money to the point that we're able to help. Manage our money to the point that we can give to the immediate, the short-term, and the long-term needs of people. There's no doubt in my mind that God wants his kids to invest in his kingdom. No doubt in my mind that God wants his kids to be generous because the father is generous, his kids are generous. I, I, I pray that my son and my daughter someday will, will learn and, and, and will we'll be generous people because they saw mom and dad was willing to live with open hands. If you want your kids to live with open hands, you know what you have to do? You have to live with open hands. You have to be willing to give. I know that because God's willing to give to me, so I'm able to live with, with open hands. So this expert or the this good Samaritan that Jesus is telling this expert about has an identity in Jesus. Now, as I struggle with talking about money and not just talking about money, but, but talking about amounts and what we give and things like that, as I struggle with that, God turns my attention to second Corinthians, sorry, second Corinthians. This is the second time I've given this message, by the way. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. I think in your notes I've got 6 and 7. But we're only going to read verse 7 this morning. It says, you must eat. Listen to the lack of shame in this statement. There is no shame in this statement. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly. Or in response to pressure. You know, I think that's one reason why I have a hard time with preachers that preach about money a lot. 
Because I never want to come across as, as pressuring anybody to give anything. I want, to, I want to come across as teaching you that when you live in your identity of Jesus, this is what you are. This is what you do. And so I try not to, to do it in response to pressure. I don't ever want anybody to give out of shame. I don't want anybody to ever give out of reluctance or out of pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. We don't give, I guess I better give this week. The pastor's talking about money this week, so I guess I better give a little bit here. That's, that's not my heart. My heart isn't to twist your arm because that's not God's heart. But his heart is to say, open hands. Give to me and I'll give to you. When I look at the Christian church today, especially in America, I get concerned because people don't know who Jesus is. The re- and, and we can get into all the reason why. But because they don't know who Jesus is, they don't know who they are. And because they don't know who they are, they don't know how they act. And oftentimes, I'm, I'm about to stomp on somebody's toes. I'm just warning you. If you know it's coming, it doesn't hurt as bad. Oftentimes, what happens in the, in, in, in the American church is we don't know who we are, or we don't know who God is, so we don't know who we are, and therefore we don't know how we act. And oftentimes, the American church labels things generous that God doesn't even call obedient. We label just any gift to the church as being generous. Thank you so much for your generosity. God says, that's not even obedient to what I asked for in my word. That's not even 10% of what they make. Now, I'm not, I don't want to get into tithe and everything yet, yet. <laughs> I understand that a lot of people struggle with the word tithe, 10%. Because we look at it like that's an Old Testament principle. What about, are you going to go cheat on your wife later today? Adultery is in the Old Testament. That's an Old Testament principle. Are you going to kill somebody today? Murder is an Old Testament principle. Right? So we pick and we choose the Old Testament principles that we want to follow and the Old Testament principles that we don't want to follow. But then Jesus steps in. And you know what he says? He says, the law says not to commit adultery. But I say, if you think about a woman with lust in your heart, if you just think about it, you've already sinned with her. The standard that Jesus brought was above the law. I'm just going to leave that one there. We call things generous that God doesn't even call obedient. But I want you to see God's heart in it. 
Matthew chapter 6. The words of Jesus. Verse 25 through 33. I hope I'm helping you. I really do. Someone's Bible app is going to read it for us. I love that. That person was saying, Adam, get on with it. Read the scripture already. <laughs> You're helping us. Jeez. Verse 25. I'm, I'm glad you guys can laugh. See, the 9 o'clock is going to want to come to the 11 o'clock because it kind of thing happens in 11 o'clock. Verse 25. This is Jesus' words, and he's saying, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies in the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon, in all his glory, was dressed as beautifully as they are. Was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will I eat? What will I drink? What will I wear? These things, are you ready for it? I didn't say it. The Bible said it. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. These are the things that people who don't have identity in Jesus worry about. They worry about their clothes. They worry about their food. They worry about where money is going to come tomorrow. But your heavenly father already knows your needs. God wants his kids to live like we know where our help comes from. So seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. I hope you see, I hope you see the identity statement in that last, that last verse. Seek the kingdom above all else and live righteously. How do we live righteously? By allowing Christ to live in us because he is righteous. To allow Christ to live through us because he is righteous. This whole thing, this whole passage is all about God living through you. And the reason I talk about money is because one of the prerequisites to allowing God to live through us is allowing him to live through our bank account. I wish it wasn't so. But I'm glad it is. You know why I'm glad it is? Because... Every single week that I give, I watch God go to work. 
And what you're seeing in this house is a result of people that have been obedient, faithfully obedient. But I want you to know, we've got a lot more people coming these days. And I, I only talk about money about twice a year. And so now's your time. God doesn't want his kids to worry about tomorrow. They don't worry about tomorrow. And the way we show God that we don't worry about tomorrow is we give. We give to him. We trust him, saying it was yours in the first place. The father's house is provided, by, provided for by his kids. The father's house is provided for by his kids. The father's house is used to reach the, world for, uh, reach the world for Jesus through his kids. He always wants to work through us, but he can't do it if our, if our fists are tight. This brings me to today's big idea. You didn't think I was going to get there, did you? Don't, don't worry, that wasn't all introduction. We're, we're almost done. Today's big idea, shameless investments build margin that is needed for kingdom impact. Shameless investments build margin in my life, in your life, in the church's life that is needed. The good Samaritan had to have margin in his life. To be able to say, all right, Jewish man beaten by bandits. <laughs> I love the, the language of, the, of the, the Bible. All right, Jewish man beaten by bandits. That the, oh, yeah, that the Jewish priest crossed over to the other side and ignored. I've got money in my account so that I can help you. Notice. He didn't go to the bank account. He didn't go and look at, he didn't go to the ATM and look up and see, do I have enough money to provide for this guy? He just did. He knew he had the margin. He didn't say, hey man, hold on real quick and go and go, I need to make more money. And then come over once he had enough money and help the guy. He tended to his immediate need because he was able to, because he had the margin to do it. Man, this is a quiet church this morning. Someone said to me, Pastor Adam, do you think our attendance is going to go down because you're talking about money? Nope. I think our, church, our attendance is going to go up because I'm being obedient. I want in this series, I want you to see that shameless investments give us the opportunity to make king, kingdom impact. When we give to God's kingdom, that's when we're able to make an impact in this world. Now, let me say, shameless investments 
isn't just bank account. It's also time clock. It's also your talents. I don't know what the thing would be for talents, but whatever you do to get talent. Your time, your talent, your treasure. All three. Shameless investment is investing our time, our talents, and our treasure. Where are you investing in God's kingdom with all three of those things? If if you're sitting here this morning and you're like, Pastor Adam, I, I, you know, I say that my identity is in Jesus, but I got to be honest, I'm not really sure. I, I'm not really sure. I love that Jesus told us how to find out where our, our treasure is. Matthew chapter 6, that same passage that I just read. All the way, so just a few verses before that in verse 21. Matthew 6, 21 says, where your treasure is, your heart is also. You want to know where your identity is? Where are you spending your time? Where are you spending your talents? And where are you spending your treasure? The story of the Good Samaritan teaches us that the Samaritan did three things. Number one, he soothed his wounds with olive oil. You know what that means? Right there on the street, he took out the olive oil and he, and he soothed his wounds. He bandaged them up right there. That's the immediate need. He took care of the immediate need. Next week, we're talking about immediate needs. The second thing that he did was he took the man, he put the man on his donkey, and he took him to a nearby inn. What does it say? It says, and he cared for him. You know what that represents? That represents the short-term needs. In two weeks, we'll talk about the short-term needs. Then the third one. He handed the innkeeper two silver coins. And he says, if the bill runs higher, I'll pay for it when I get back. You know what that represents? The long-term need. And so our shameless investments care for immediate needs, short-term needs, and long-term needs. And that's what we're going to talk about for the next three weeks. I'm excited for the next three weeks because the next three weeks is all about vision. Where we can go if we're faithful to be obedient with our time, our talents, and our treasures. Stand on your feet. I want to pray with you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I hope you're still glad you came to church this morning. There are two types of people in the room. Those that have identity in Christ because you put your faith in Jesus. Maybe you've, you've gone on to the point of being baptized. Hopefully you've all been baptized. If you, if you, if you identity, your identity is in Jesus.
we'll do a baptism service after Easter, by the way. And um, what a beautiful picture it is that we get to die with, with Christ, buried in the likeness of his death, raised to walk in new life, new identity. So there are people in the room that identify with Jesus. If that's you, this message about the Good Samaritan, it's all for you. It's all for you. The other person in the room is the person that hasn't given their identity to Jesus yet. You've not called on Jesus to be Lord. For whatever reason, I want you to know this message, it it ain't for you. It's not. But you're the reason why we give. I love that none of the men in the story have a name because I'm able to put my name in every single one of their shoes. I can be the Jewish priest that steps over to the other side and ignores the need. I can also be the Jewish man beaten by bandits that's left for dead on the side of the road. If your identity is not in Jesus, this message isn't for you. If you're a follower of Jesus, it is. It's that simple. But if you're here, and you kind of just feel in the middle, I want you to know this. I believe that you're never more like God than when you give. I can prove it to you with the world's most popular verse, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, what did he do? He gave. You're never more like God than when you give. He gave his most precious possession so that we can identify in him. My God, sign me up for that. He loves you. He cares for you. He loves you so much. He just wants you to call on his name. Have faith in him. Put faith in him. Say, God, I'm tired of doing it myself. I want to trust you. If you're here, you want that identity, I want to help you. Right where you stand. Say, God, I need you. I've tried to do it on my own. I've tried to understand. I just need to release it to you. Come into my life. I'm done trying to do it on my own. 
and I trust you. Come into my life. Save me, really save me. Forgive me for my sin. Create in me a new heart. And help me live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. My friend David and Kim are up here. If you have any needs this morning that you want to pray for, come and see them. If you have an immediate need that you feel like the church can help you with, come and see them. They'll come and see me afterwards. We want to help you. We want to help you. We want to help you get on a path towards margin. Let's sing a song. We love you.